Talk lines open now at and a lot of matters happening around town. You just heard the Race to Alaska commercial. Don't forget, get your tickets over at catchcanchamber.com. They are just $5. You need to guess the date, time, hour, minute, and second of that first boat to arrive in Ketchikan from the Race to Alaska. Now listen, if you're a really bad guesser, don't even worry about that because everyone who buys a $5 ticket is entered to win for the drawing for two round-trip tickets on Alaska Airlines. But first up, we're going to talk about matters, issues affecting our community. On the line, I've got Bruce from Defend Our Constitution. Now, for the record, this is an issue that affects our entire state. And this is an issue that the Chamber of Commerce's Board of Directors took action on at our last board meeting in favor of this particular issue. And what that means is we are not in favor of having a constitutional convention. Hey, Bruce, you on the line. Hi, Michelle. Yes, I am. Well, thanks for thanks for calling in. Um, I think this is an important issue for folks to uh, know about. Now, uh, as the the tagline said, talk lines are open. No, they're not because Bruce is calling in, so he's taken our one talk line. But the good news is, is we'll be recording this, and that podcast will be available both on the Chamber's website and at catchcanradio.com. So let's talk about first what what is it because this is. Something that's kind of unusual and can confuse people. When you say you're for it or against it, it might mean the opposite. So can you kind of flesh that out for us? Sure. Uh, let me start, Michelle, by saying that when our uh, founders um, put our Constitution together back in 1955-56, they had a couple different uh, mechanisms they created uh, for amending the Constitution, as uh, is typical with all constitutions. Uh one uh, is the one we're probably most familiar with because it's been exercised many times in statehood, and that is simply uh, having the legislature, with two-thirds vote of uh, each body, proposing an amendment and then putting it before the voters for an up or down vote. And again, that is a very typical mechanism. There's another one that they put in, which was, I think, a check on the legislature, given the possibility that it might fail to make those changes, and that was to put a separate uh, referendum question on the ballot to appear once every 10 years. And the question was, shall there be a constitutional convention? And uh, uh, Alaska in that respect is like uh, 13 other states that have this mechanism. Some uh, uh, had the question on every seven years, some uh, a couple that actually default to 20 years. Alaska is one of three states that has the issue coming up in this election um, to review uh, it on a 10-year cycle. Um, The issue's been before. uh, The Alaska voters, uh, each time, uh, each 
decade since uh, 1972. It was originally voted on in 1970, and it barely passed. But the court concluded that uh, the language had been misleading. The question posed at that point was, as required by the Alaska Constitution, shall there be a convention? And those who challenged the outcome said, look, uh, people were uh, misled by suggesting they were required to vote for it, and the Supreme Court agreed. And that's why we're, uh, it directed that the matter be placed on the ballot in 1972, and it has come up then on that uh, second year in every decade since, and it's been rejected overwhelmingly uh, um, five times. Um, and now we have that question before us again in uh, 2022. We think the circumstances may be a little different this year. For the most part, there has not been an active movement uh, to change our Constitution through a convention, but there have just been a series of, I would say, in some respects, unfortunate uh Developments. There is a generalized anger nationally, I think, towards governments, uh, dissatisfaction, distrust, which may lead people to decide we've got to change things. We're simply going to vote for a convention. We have uh, specific groups that are also uh, interested in promoting uh, a convention, those who would like to embed the uh, permanent fund dividend in the Constitution and direct how it should be allocated. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of news here over the last three weeks about the likelihood that at the federal level uh, uh, the right to abortion uh, will be uh, overturned, and that brings the focus back to the Alaska Constitution. And so there are some who would promote a convention to deal with that issue, others who are very dissatisfied with the judiciary. All of which is to say that there is a uh, cauldron of uh, issues that are bubbling that make this year different than I would say most. But hey, Bruce, Bruce, got got a quick question for you. but I've also heard that there's also a huge risk um, if there were to be a constitutional convention of outside interests, outside the state of Alaska interests, uh, coming in and kind of muddying the waters, if you will. Is that true? I think it is a great risk. I think it's a very good point. And uh, again, it's uh, the shades of politics that. Uh, uh, People might decide uh, on a national level to become involved here um, will be across the spectrum. I I think one has to recognize, as I mentioned before, there are only three states this year that have the question before them. The last time that any state had a constitutional convention was in 1978. And so this is a golden opportunity, especially with a small state like Alaska, where uh, a relatively small amount of money could influence the outcome of an election to actually use this as a test tube to reinvent government. So you can have uh, uh, national environmental groups, for example, that would be interested in making some modifications perhaps to our natural resources section uh, or article in the Constitution. We have folks who... uh, 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 such as Grover Norquist, uh, 
group, uh, uh, American taxpayers for, uh, uh, for Americans for tax reform, who might well alight on uh, Governor Dunleavy's uh, earlier proposals to basically require that there be a vote of the people before any tax is imposed. It's a very populist idea, but one that has gained no traction in the legislature. Um, those are just a couple of examples, uh, not to mention the, I think, hot-button issues I mentioned earlier relating to abortion, uh, abortion rights. Uh, gun rights would be another area. Uh, right to work. Again, there are a lot of national constituencies that would have reason, motivation to um, invest in any effort to rewrite a state constitution. And that's one of the, what we see, one of the great risks of all this. The constitution itself makes clear that uh, in a convention setting, uh, the entire constitution is open up for change. The convention delegates would have the authority to change anything, everything, including starting off with an entirely new document. Now, of course, all of that is subject, ultimately, to a vote of the people. But uh, I think the opportunity for chaos, uncertainty, uh, is uh, incredibly large. And I think both for the, uh, on a social uh, perspective and uh, economic perspective, uh, business, people who make investments in our state need to have certainty, they need to have stability, and uh, the possibility of our institutions being disrupted uh, by both the all right. Well, wait, wait a second, Bruce. Let's unpack that. Let's unpack that for a second. Okay. So they ha let's pretend uh, that they end up having a constitutional convention, which again, the Chamber's Board of Directors has come out against. Okay. So let's just say they ha they have this constitutional convention. Uh, they make major changes to gun rights, uh, the PFD, and abortion. And so I let's just pretend that uh, Joe. Joe Blow is sitting at home and says, well, I don't like what they're saying uh, about abortion, but I do like, no, wait, let's say I do like what they're saying about abortion. I don't like what they're saying about gun rights and I do like what they're saying, or no, I don't like what they're saying about the PFT. This all has to go in front of the voters. So if it has to go in front of the voters, do they have to approve or deny the entire recrafted document. I mean, because I could, I could see this could be a total mess, right? If they make like three or four or five different changes and someone says, well, I don't like that one change, but the others are okay. Um, I mean, it feels like it could be this legal black hole in perpetuity where we actually have no constitution. Well, uh, we'll always have a constitution in place if, if the proposals that a convention come up with are rejected, we default to the existing Constitution. But you make a very good point, Michelle, and it's one that we don't know the answer to because it's left to the discretion of the delegates at the convention. Is it simply an up or down vote on the document that they amend as a whole, or does one go through and vote on each proposed change by itself? 
And uh, again, we've not been through the experience. Hawaii, which is the last state to have gone through this, actually had 42 different propositions on the ballot uh, for their constitutional amendment. And uh, in many respects, that may be the uh, better outcome. But uh, again, that's not something we will know the answer to beforehand. And one which the legislature itself, which sets the parameters of the convention, has any control over. Well, isn't uh, it? Isn't it true? Okay, so isn't it true though? Um, and forgive, forgive me if I'm being ignorant here. But let's say I wanted to change an item, a, a single item in the Constitution. Couldn't that be put before the voters um, at any Uh-oh. given time? And 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 some mechanism in place to, if that one singular item needed to be changed as opposed to like opening up the whole deal, which by the way, I looked at 245 pages, no way I was going to print that off before our call. <laughs> well, uh, uh, right, and that's part of our argument. Our constitution works right now and it has a mechanism. It's a mechanism that has worked very well. And it is the amendment process where, uh, proposal is brought to the legislature. It debates it. It uh, vets it. And if it, uh, if two thirds of the membership of the legislature believe that this is uh, merits being on the ballot, it gets placed there, and the people are able to vote on it. And they have done that forty times since statehood. And the Alaska voter uh, has approved twenty-eight amendments. So. Uh, the process works, and uh, and the, to your point, this is exactly the way I think our founders intended it to work in terms of having discrete proposals brought to the legislature, vetted there, and then placed before the voter. So do you happen to know off the top of your head, Bruce, what maybe an example of one of those amendments that was approved by the voters over the years? Oh, I, I can uh, think of several, but a couple that were um, controversial at the time and had been challenged uh, was the uh, uh, Alaska Marriage Act. Uh, ultimately, uh, proposition was struck down by the federal courts uh, on federal constitutional grounds, but uh, dictating that uh, marriage would be between a man and a woman. Uh, another... Um, uh, is how we do uh, reapportionment or redistricting, a big issue that's been uh, in the news here um, um, lately. They created a nonpartisan um, board to help apportion the legislature. The permanent fund itself is a prime example of a constitutional amendment that. Uh, uh, changed the idea that there could be no dedicated funds. And as you know, (laughs) probably more than just about any other single change, the permanent fund itself has uh, changed the face of government in Alaska. So those are three examples that come to mind. Those are right good off. examples. Those are good examples. So let's just clarify, if you're, if you're just tuning in, uh, Bruce from Defend Our Constitution is on the line with us today uh, talking about uh, this particular uh, initiative that they have uh, for which uh, the Ketchikan Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors voted in favor of supporting your efforts, which your efforts to clarify are that there should not 
should not be a constitutional convention. Hey, you know, so let's talk, you know, when I think people, especially in today's day and time, they're kind of leery, like, ooh, these people are talking about an issue. They must be some fringe group, political group out there, you know, just because there's so many of them everywhere nowadays. But this group is not a fringe group. Who's the Who, who makes up your core group? Well, we have a... a, a um core group of about 150 of Ala- 150 Alaskans from around the state, but we have a, an executive committee which uh, is led uh, by um, eight members uh, who constitute co-chairs of the uh, of the Defend Our uh, Constitution, and uh, they are clearly uh, bipartisan, but also regional in nature. So um, just to name the folks, uh, Kathy Giesel, uh, former senator, former president of the state Senate, uh, and Joel Hall, uh, who is the executive director of AFL-CIO in Alaska, uh, represents South Central. Um, Bryce Edgeman, uh, representative from Dillingham, former speaker of the House, and Gail Schubert, who is the CEO of the Bering Strait Native Corporation, uh, constitute our um, rural uh, representation. Uh, Senator John Coghill uh, of Fairbanks, uh, along with uh, Luke Hopkins, who is the former mayor of the uh, Fairbanks North Star Borough, and then uh, in uh, Southeast, Bill Corbis, uh, um, former owner-manager of the Alaska Electric Light and Power, and myself uh, um, representing uh, Southeast. Long and short, the, the group is uh, uh, definitely very bipartisan, uh, and uh, we have regional leadership uh, around the state. I would say that we are, uh, I would describe us as mainstream, and uh I would also say we uh, have individual disagreements on uh, on specific amendments we might or might not make to the Constitution, but we are all unanimous in our outside view. Outside of the convention. That, amendments that, that outside of the convention. To a convention. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, to me, that's very, very important. Um, and again, because you see so many uh, truly ultra-partisan groups getting into the political fray with issues uh, in the last couple of years, for sure. And, uh, you know, people have become distrustful, kind of leery, like, all right, who are these people? And, you know, this is a very important issue for the state of Alaska and for our future. And so to know who's on that that committee and that group of 150 folks, I think that's good to have that transparency so people can say, oh, yeah, okay, so I may um, lean a little to the left or far to the left. I I may lean far to the right or I may be somewhere in the middle, but somewhere in that group, I'm represented, as well as where I geographically live. I feel like that's very, very important. And I would say, Michelle, that if there are any of your listeners who are interested in learning more about us, more about the issues, we have a website. It's defendakconstitution, all one word, dot com. And uh, again, if you have questions, uh, 
clearly this is a very short interview, so I imagine there may be a lot of questions out there. Feel free to write us. Uh, we'll respond. Um, but you will also find uh, frequently asked questions. Hopefully that will be helpful in uh, uh, answering um, most people's questions. Uh, there's an opportunity to see some of the editorial comments uh, that been published in various newspapers around the state. Uh, to include the Catch Can uh, so Daily News. I, that give an orientation for folks. Yep. To include folks, the Catch Can Daily News had a lengthy editorial uh, a few weeks ago uh, about this exact issue, and they are in line uh, with the Chamber's Board of Directors and saying that we should not have a constitutional convention. Uh, so, uh, yeah, clearly lots of editorials out there. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Michelle, it's been a delight. All right. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. There you have it. Uh, typically, we do not do issues, uh, necessarily issues that are, are political in nature, uh, but this is an official board of directors uh, stand that they have taken as of our May board meeting. Uh, hey, what what else is going on? Uh, you want to take a stand on something? You need to head on over to ktntalk.com and fill out the Tourism Strategy Management Survey. Those are available until June 30th. It is mobile friendly, so you can do it on your phone. Doesn't take very long at all. I did, I did one. And then there's also a groovy kind of uh, uh, forum in there where you can, you know, just like, oh man, I already filled out the survey a couple weeks ago, but I did think of something else. And you can put comments in there about a whole range of different issues. So that's ktntalk.com. And uh, that's going to be very, very interesting to see those results as we move forward. Uh, this is a Ketchikan Gateway Borough initiative and one that's very important for the future of our community. So I would urge you to go ahead and head on over there. Also, Fourth of July is right around the corner. You know it and I know it. Congratulations to the class of 1967 for being the first float to register for this year's parade. Destination Prosperity is the theme. Also, we've been getting some pretty cool Grand Marshal nominations. If you'd like to register your float, your walking group, or uh, other sort of thing that you would like to be in the parade or nominate someone for Grand Marshal. You need to do so sooner than later, folks. And that is all available front and center at catchcanchamber.com. You'll see the flyer. And just below that, there's the links to fill out those forms. Just download them. You can scan them and email to info at catchcanchamber.com or like a bunch of other people have already done, just slip it through the door at the chamber. And so that'll do it for today. I want to give a big shout out to the chamber's newest members and sponsor, by the way, Power of Wellness Clinic. And another big shout out uh, to Marcus Martin for opening the Alaska Bigfoot Adventures. He's also a new chamber member. And welcome to returning sponsor, GCI. So there you have it. Look for our newsletter that comes out every Monday. I also post the link to that in the afternoon at our Facebook page, Ketchikan Chamber of Commerce. So have a great rest of your week. Remember, we're happy to help you anytime.